Welcome to the Real Estate Asset Management Podcast brought to you by Break of Day Capital. The show focuses on educating syndicators and apartment owners on how to build systems and manage their properties more efficiently to become a best-in-class operator. 100% straight talk. Let's jump in. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Real Estate Asset Management Podcast. I'm your host, Gary Lipsky with Break of Day Capital. Be sure to join our Facebook group, Asset Management Mastery, where we have a great community of thousands of like-minded individuals sharing resources and best practices. Choosing the right insurance coverage for multifamily properties isn't that complicated, if you know who to talk to. At the Garzella Group, we're uniquely qualified to help you navigate the range of policy choices you have, and we're committed to saving you 30% in the process. We do intensive market research and have nationwide relationships, so we can find coverage other insurance brokers simply can't. We should talk. Go to quotenow.biz and we'll start the conversation. Today on the podcast, we have Mandy McAllister. Mandy is a real estate investor, mindset ninja, and connector. She spent the bulk of her career in medical device sales, chasing cases and commission checks. In 2021, Mandy left her W-2 to lean on the financial independence she built through real estate investing. She's invested in workforce housing and a motel reposition, and most recently, hot off the presses, became the (laughs) CEO of Go Abundance Woman. So that is awesome. Tell us a little bit about that and a little bit more about what you do. Oh, hi, Gary. Super pumped to be here. Thank you for the invitation. I you know, left my W-2 about a little 18 months ago or so and kind of just chased this, you know, I want to be the mom who gets to go volunteer at my kid's school. Like that was the why. That's why I did the chasing the, the larger apartment buildings and got to that point. But being part of a group of women, a tribe that everybody is headed in the same direction and working on, you know, different, but the same type of stuff at a high level and having struggles all at the same time on these higher levels. But I feel like no BS, singularly the best thing I've ever done for my entrepreneurial journey was join this tribe of GoBundance women. And the chance to serve a CEO now is I have never thought I would go back into a W-2 after so quickly leaving one, but I could not be more pumped to get to lift women up and move forward all at the same time. Nice, nice. So, you know, what's your goal going to be there and what are you trying to achieve? I've heard really good things about GoBundance. Jamie came uh, has been on the podcast before. I know some friends that have been a part of it. So a great organization. Tell us a little bit more, you know, where you're going to go with it. Yeah. So I think what drew me first to GoBundance, the women's organization has only been around a couple of years. And, you know, being at all these multifamily events, there's a ton of deal sponsors that are, you know, usually we're dudes that are deal sponsors, right? So many, many people would talk about the six pillars of GoBundance. And we, you know, we're not just focused on the money piece, which yes, it's important, but developing as a whole person, the six pillars of, you know, not just financial freedom, but connected relationships and accountability and giving back and your health and all of the things that matter in life. I knew I wanted to join when a bro was telling me about this in 2017. So when the women's organization came about, I joined as quickly as I could. So my goal is, you know, 
it is funny because you know the statistic that 90% of all millionaires become millionaires because of real estate. So it shouldn't be surprising that 90% of all of the tribe of millionaires is uh, there because of real estate. It's been a neat journey to uh, to help people grow into these larger multifamily because my wheelhouse is really, you know, rather than syndicate out, how can I acquire something in a joint venture structure on non-recourse Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac debt? And in order to do that, you know, you're buying something that's two, three, four million dollars at a time. So I tend to do that with a partner. So I continue to look for partnerships to pull off that non-recourse debt acquisition. You just set up the perfect segue for me. Thank you. Because that's what I wanted to get into is talk about JVs because, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of people leverage other people's money Mm -hmm. and JVs, it's a little bit more tricky because... You know, you've got to be on the same page as far as how long you want to hold it and all these different things with partners that are are basically equal. Whereas, you know, with the limited partners and using other people's money, they really don't have a say. So Mm -hmm. tell me a little bit about like, you know, finding the right partners and the roles each of you play in that process. Yeah. You know, I've had great partnerships. I've had partnerships that weren't what I bargained for. And I've had terrible partnerships. So I feel like as I go along, the the trick that I've learned that if you're my brother and I'm trying to help you get into a joint venture, the trust but verify thing comes up a lot, right? Like I do a background search, a full-on background search on everybody. I lost $110,000 to a guy I went to church with. So we go to church together. Obviously, I should trust him, right? But when I do a background search, I see that he has millions of dollars of liens that are unpaid against him, right? Like even if you think you should trust that person, still do the background check, right? And then once you've done that, it's very important to before you even start anything, like make a list of every task that has to happen in order for that deal to run smoothly. I mean, even down to the trash will be emptied. We will get the the guest, the key, right? And now that we have this huge list, we can say, all right, this is the person that's responsible for it. Or that is the team that's responsible for it. So that every task has a name before you get into it so that there's not balls dropped or resentment that happened because, oh no, that's the thing you should be covering. The more clear you can be upfront, the better. That being said, I think JVs are still so worth it because if you look at, you know, I play in multifamily. If you look at the bulk of multifamily acquisitions, there's the pack. That a lot of us are syndicators, and I, I've syndicated before, and I think it's a, it's a good path in some cases. But the pack of us, the bulk of us, are syndicators acquiring these larger deals. The leaders, the billionaires, they're acquiring for their own accounts, right? So for my own accounts, do I want to emulate just the pack, or do I want to emulate the leaders? So that's why I want to get into stuff that I can own for the long term. I love it. And there's so many good golden nuggets and. Whether you're syndicating or doing a JV, that background check is so important. And you get lulled into that, you know, no like and trust that person without really just just verifying. Really, really good advice and creating a list of things that need to be accomplished, whether you're syndicating or JV. It's so important to know who's doing what because you can so quickly get into, well, I thought he was doing it or she was doing it. And there's this malaise that sets in and things aren't getting done. So you obviously have learned from, from experience. <laughs> yeah. I fail forward, fail forward, you know, like I've done a lot of good and I've done a lot of accidents that I, I don't want to recreate. So hopefully your listeners don't screw up in the same way I did. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. So with the JV, you're looking to hold it, you know, for your lifetime and pass it on and just keep refinancing in that cash flow. What's your what's your business plan? I call it buy and watch, right? I want to ultimately buy and hold. But if I bought something for $4 million and three months later, you want to offer me $15 million, I am not going to not entertain that, do you know? And the conversations with my partners are, you know, commensurate to that, right? Like we're going to buy and we're going to watch the market. But the intent is for the long term. The What I'm yoked for is how can I get all of my money out as quickly as possible and then hold those assets and for the long term, rinse and repeat. Nice, nice. A number of people come up to me over the last few months and say, well, when are you going to just do your own deals and not leverage other people's money? Like, isn't that the, you know, where you ultimately want to get to? And I'm like, I don't know. I want, you know, like I have, you know, friends and family that want to invest with me and I'm helping them grow their money and, you know, they're ready to go when I'm when you have a new deal. But a lure of you know, doing your own deals is, you know, mm-hmm. and, and and just reaping the cash flow and not having other things to worry about is very intriguing. So the way I look at it, these long-term holds on non-recourse debt, that is this bucket of money that pays me every month forever. I call that my forever money bucket, right? But if you're investing two, three, four hundred thousand at a clip, you run out of money pretty quickly, you know? So you have to do things that are one-time money, as I call them. Like if you flip a house, you get paid once. If you syndicate a deal, it's usually over the course of three years and the bulk of your money kind of just comes in that one time frame. That's one time money. If you're doing a syndication for express purpose to buy something for that forever money bucket, I mean, that is real generational wealth. It's not another job for one time money. It is generational wealth. So, I mean, it's something worth considering, in my opinion, because that's that's how you build the long term play. When we did your introduction, you, you also mentioned something very unique that you manage an 18 unit motel. How did you get involved in, in that? Yeah. So, I mean, my wheelhouse is small multis. I buy largely 10 units to 50 units is what I have been doing over the last couple of years. And in so doing, being part of GoBundance, there were a bunch of women that were killing it in short-term rentals. And the amount of revenue that they throw off on these short-term rentals, Gary, it's bananas. It is absolutely bonkers. So I thought, ooh, well, actually, somebody then drew my attention to an 18 unit that was listed on MLS, normal residential MLS, a motel on a lake. And I thought, you know, it'd be silly to turn this into apartments, but it's in a a place that people go for the summer. Why don't I partner with someone who knows short-term rentals? I know small multis. That's a new idea, right? So that is an engine for cash flow. That is, I'm going to be able to put into my forever money bucket. I feel like if you're a hammer and all you see is nails, no new ideas happen. So being part of that tribe put me in a position to see things a little bit differently. I love it. I love it. Yeah. So many uh, friends have mentioned just the cash flow from short-term rentals is insane. So the projects that we've been doing is like, like very little cash flow. You got money to come in to keep your doors open. So mm-hmm. it's like, like so, one hand washes the other. You know, you kind of need both. So what are the big differences in asset managing your short-term rental versus your you know multifamily properties? I feel like the ultimate stuff is the same in so far as you can't manage what you don't measure, right? But there are a lot more metrics to measure when you're doing a very active exchange of a short-term rental. We are going through growing pains of costs us a lot of money to have them cleaned. It costs us a lot of money to deal with the laundry. 
that, you know, we wouldn't know if we're doing better or not unless we have in place those metrics that help us manage what we expect. So you've got to measure whatever it is you're trying to manage. I love it. Measure, measure, measure. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. What is the lending uh, like for a short-term rental compared to a multifamily? Yeah, it sucks, bro. It's terrible. <laughs> yeah. So what happened though, and the the happy accident here is we were acquiring from a group that you know wasn't really following municipality rules on managing the the eighteen unit motel. So the lien holder, the bank that had lent the guys the money, I feel like, and I don't know this for certain, but I feel like they saw that as kind of a risky investment on their on their book. And then I was able to come in and say, here are the, you know, 300 and some units that I have been a part of and I know what I'm doing. And my business partner came in and said, I manage this many short-term rentals. Us together, we're going to be able to do a better job and be a less risky borrower on this. So we actually closed in April of 22, 2022, and uh, we're able to get the exact same terms that the previous group had had, 4% on a seven-year term in 2022 felt really cool. So because we were relieving the pain point of a risky borrower to that bank, we got really fantastic terms. So is your plan going forward to continue to do these kind of bigger sized, you know, short-term rentals and doing, you know, some JV and multifamily on the side, or are you going to focus more on one thing than the other or? I think whatever the market is bringing me right now, and I I bet you're feeling something similar, this formula of like a mild value add on non-recourse debt type long-term hold thing that is my wheelhouse of forever money. That is my ultimate end game goal. But if I can't acquire that, I'm not going to friggin' beat my head against a wall. You know, I'm going to go look and pay attention to the engine for cash flow bucket that's going to help me then be prepared for those deals when they happen. So right now, what I'm seeing is a lot more, you know, engine for cash flow type stuff. I have a sixplex that I've owned for basically forever. It's not that far from a hospital. And the loan is like such that I can put short-term or mid-term rentals. It's right next to a hospital. It's killing it in terms of revenue for traveling nurses and for traveling professionals. So that type of thing has my attention right now because I can't find anything for the, the long-term hold. I love your adaptability. It's so important taking advantage of where the market is at different times. We bought student housing and during COVID, it was like 52% occupied. We switched to multifamily and we got it to 95% occupied within like eight months. We bought garden office space. We were converting to multifamily too. And so a lot of these don't, don't work. It's like a needle in a haystack, but you get one and it's, you know, fantastic, you know. Mm-hmm. You can't be a one trick pony, right? So no matter how you choose to pivot, problems happen when you try to completely reinvent yourself. Like Gary, if you said, ah, no, I'm doing multifamily now and it's not working, I'm going to wholesale single family. You're going to suck at wholesaling single family because you don't know what you're doing. But if your pivot is, oh, well, it's actually exactly the same thing, the student housing, I'm going to pivot and make this work in this different way. I think that's really brilliant. So I asked this question of all of our guests, what is your asset management superpower? Mm, Figuring out how to measure things so that we can properly manage it. The thing is, I firmly believe if you don't know how things are going, if you cannot tell how things are going, you cannot change anything for the better. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Mandy, thank you so much for coming on. 
tons of golden nuggets for our listeners talking about measuring background checks even if you know the person creating lists of all the things everyone has to do and, and splitting them up awesome where can listeners find out more about you and also about go abundance women yeah the the best way to get a hold of me at my website mandy that's m-a-n-d-y-m-c-a-l-l-i-s-t-e-r.com or Go Abundance Women, there's a link on my website for that too. So definitely reach out if you're interested in any of those things. Would love to, to chat with you. Awesome. Awesome. This is Gary Lipsky signing off. I'll be back next week with another informative episode on the Real Estate Asset Management Podcast. To all of our listeners, thanks for joining us. And if you like this episode, please head over to iTunes or Stitcher and like, subscribe, and review this podcast as it will help us grow our audience and reach more people. And if you'd like to learn more about what we do at Break of Day Capital, head over to our website, breakofdaycapital.com and sign up for our newsletter and or fill out our investor application. We'll talk to you next week.